It's my joy and honor to be with you all this morning. I bring you words to begin our service from the 10th century. Have mercy on us, O God, Father Almighty, O God of hosts, O God most high, O Lord of the world, O indescribable God, O creator of the elements, O invisible God, O untouchable God, O unjudgeable God, O immeasurable God, O impatient God, O immaculate God, O immortal God, O immovable God, O eternal God, O perfect God, O merciful God, O admirable God, O awesome God, O golden good, O Father in heaven, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, O Almighty God, O Jesus Christ, O Son of living God, O Son that was born twice, O only begotten of God the Father, O first child of Mary the Virgin, O Son of David, O Son of Abraham, O beginning of all, O end of the world, O Word of God, O jewel of the heavenly kingdom, O life of all, O eternal truth, O image, O likeness, O figure of God the Father, O hand of God, O arm of God, O strength of God, O right hand of God, O true wisdom, O true light that enlightens all darkness, O guiding light, O sun of truth, O morning star, O radiance of the Godhead, O splendor of the eternal light, O intelligence of the mystic world, O mediator of all men, O betrothed of the church, O faithful shepherd of the flock, O expectation of the faithful, O angel of the great council, O true prophet, O true apostle, O true teacher, O O high priest, O master, O Nazarene, O fair-haired one, O ever-living satisfaction, O tree of life, O true vine, O sprout of the root of Jesse, O King of Israel, O Savior, O door of the world, O chosen flower of the plain, O lily of the valleys, O rock of strength, O cornerstone, O heavenly Zion, O foundation of faith, O innocent lamb, O diadem, O silent sheep, O redeemer of humanity, O true God, O true man, O lion, O ox, O eagle, O crucified Christ, O judge of doom. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, O Almighty God, O Holy Spirit, O Spirit that is nobler than all spirits, O finger of God, O guard of the Christians, O comforter of the sorrowful, O gentle one, O merciful intercessor, O giver of true wisdom, O author of holy scripture, O ruler of speech, O sevenfold spirit, O spirit of wisdom, O spirit of understanding, O spirit of counsel, O spirit of strength, O spirit of knowledge, O spirit of gentleness, O spirit of awe, O spirit of charity, O spirit of grace, O spirit by whom all high things are ordained, have mercy on us. O Father, O Son, O Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, eternal God. O God in heaven, Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, O glorious God. Trinity, glorious, ruling the circle of the earth. O God, to your name be honor and praise now and forever. Amen. This is the litany of the Trinity, and it was written by Mugron. Never met him.
as the fires of the Celtic revival were waning, these litanies started firing up. And they were being written as a way to prompt the reader to remember the things that God had been doing. It was like we were getting to hear a seen, heard reality of what had been stirring inside of them. And I begin here this morning wondering, as I read this litany, what the impact of soaking in these 112 O's, what impact would it have had on them as they were transitioning out of a time when there had been a time of reviving and seemingly that time was waning. The writings that followed seemed to give some indication of what soaking in, for example, these 112 O's of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. The glorious power and radiance of Jesus was central in the sacrificial living of their lives. The glorious power and radiance of Jesus was central in the sacrificial living of their lives. I want to invite you to be with me this morning and I want to invite you to actively consider the glorious power and the radiance of Jesus in your life and in the life of our church family. And I'm curious about how it might individually and corporately impact us as we soak in the glorious power and radiance of Jesus. Not just a predictable nod to the new year of 2022, but an infused vision of the glory and power and radiance of Jesus. Am I on autopilot as I'm heading into 2022? As I thought about that, as I've read over my notes over the last few days, I'm aware I shift into autopilot a lot. This is what we do. We come, we gather, we go to work, we eat, we talk, we do the things that we do. And I find that I can, without realizing it, be on autopilot. Am I on autopilot this morning? Or do I believe that the glorious power and radiance of Jesus can impact my living even this very day? There are a number of places that we could have gone to consider this active considering this morning. And I started... Uh, panning and settled in Revelation 1. Would you go there if you're not there? And just let's set the stage just for a moment. And um, some of you might be thinking, wow, Damon, you chose to be in Revelation. And you know, a couple times I thought, wow, Damon, you're going to Revelation. Um, and you know what? Wow, I went to Revelation. And it has been beautiful. And I'm so thankful for just communing with Jesus in this time. So what happened for me as we set the stage is, is I began to see that in the first three verses of Revelation 1, 
we are seeing John giving us hints about what is going to happen in the rest of the book. Let's look at that briefly as we kind of jump in before we get to our verses this morning. So let's set the stage and hear verses 1 through 3 of Revelation 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So let's set the stage. Let's think about three things. Number one, John is declaring Jesus. That's what he's going to do throughout the entire verse. John is the last apostle alive, and he is receiving what would be the final revelation of Jesus Christ. And the book begins with a clear declaration of what John sees as reality. The revelation of Jesus Christ. See Jesus. That's my invitation to myself and to us this morning. See Jesus this morning. See the glorious power and radiance of Jesus as he brings salvation to people from all nations, all tribes, and languages to worship him forever. Would you glance down at verse 7, and let's just take a peek down there. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. We are being given this final unveiling of Jesus as the king, and those who will be part of his family and those who will not be a part of his family. It's moving towards a finality. Many times when you look into the book of Revelation, you'll hear the word apocalypse. And honestly, many times when I hear that word, I'm drawn to thinking about, yeah, the apocalypse. That's all the really weird, wild, crazy stuff that's happening in this book that would make you wonder, Damon, why you would choose to preach on it the first Sunday of January. But that's not really what the apocalypse is. The apocalypse is a word that actually means the revelation and the unveiling of Jesus. The apocalypse is not the wild, weird stuff that's going to happen in Revelation. The apocalypse is the powerful unveiling of Jesus Christ. And listen to those words in verse 7. I was really struck with them over the last few weeks. Every eye, behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. I'm in that number of piercers. We are in that number of piercers. It says, he who knew no sin became sin for me, became sin for us. And I, I revel in this phrase here, even the piercers get to see the king. That is good news. If the piercers encounter relationship with King Jesus, 
even the piercers get to see Jesus and encounter His glorious power and His radiance. And all tribes, I love this phrase, all tribes will wail on account of Him. You know, these are not your normal weekly conversation words. Wailing. All of the playing and nonchalance will be over then. This word wail has the idea of beating your chest in mourning like this eternity thing is really real and I'm facing it now. And this is a description of overwhelming unity. A really unique unity. It says in that time that all will wail on account of Him. This description is stating how deadly serious the King is. And then people will either experience eternity with the King forever with Him or they'll experience eternity away from the King. That's what's on the line. So John is going to be declaring the unveiling of Jesus through this whole book. Secondly, look at verse 2. What else is he declaring? Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. He is declaring the word. That's what John is going to do throughout the book of Revelation. There are 404 verses in the book of Revelation in 278 of those verses, there is some allusion to an Old Testament idea or thing. 68.8% of the book of Revelation is tied to the actual words of God. Almost 70%. That's a lot. And so like Mugran, who spoke his 112 O's, reminding himself about all that God is and all who He is, I believe that we're seeing the impact of John soaking in the Word of God over his life as 70% of what he is saying has these tendrils of Old Testament words in them. Look at verse 2. Again, he bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. We'll come back to that one. First of all, before I move on, students, would you look up at me? Wake up or look up at me, one of the two. Students and children in the room, I want to dare you this morning. I dare you. I want you to consider going to one of the older members of our church family, and I dare you to ask them, what impact has it had on you to be soaking in God's Word in your life for decades? And ask them to tell you. Yes, older members, I'm putting you on the spot because I hope it happens. I wonder if it'll happen. Students and children, I dare you. It may seem a little odd. If you think your parents are really, really old, you can ask them. But I want to encourage you to, to ask some of those who have been at this church for a really long time. Ask them and listen to their response. So, he's declaring Jesus, and that's going to happen throughout the whole book of Revelation. 
he's declaring the word specifically. And thirdly, John is declaring that the glorious power and radiance of Jesus is breaking through. Look at verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy and the one that hears and keeps what is written. Another translation says, takes it to heart. And the word blessed here means that whoever it is, is highly favored. And if you are highly favored, it is not because you have done anything. It is because the king is at work in you. The king is breaking through in your life. If you are being called one of these blessed who is hearing these words and is taking them to heart, the glorious power and radiance of Jesus is breaking through. And so I'm saying this morning, Lord, please break through the layers of sin that have erected overnight in me, that have come in me since I've walked on this property the reality of the bitterness that's in this room. Whoa, Damon, man, keep it light, dude. It's 2022, Happy New Year. The level of bitterness that is in this room, the level of addiction that is represented in this room, the, the level of apathy that is in this room this morning, and that is just me. Jesus, break through that in me. And you know about your heart. Breakthrough. There are seven places scattered through the book of Revelation where we see King Jesus breaking through. If you want some uh, lively reading later today, here's your list. Chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Jesus the Lamb as if slain. Chapter 12, 1 through 6. Jesus the child whom the dragon seeks to kill. Chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus the Lamb surrounded by 144,000 who have His name. Chapter 14, verse 14, Jesus crowned as King and ready for judgment. Chapter 19, verse 16, Jesus on a horse leading the armies of heaven. And chapter 22, 12 through 17, the eternal ruling King. And then to the very first one. That's our passage this morning. The beauty and power of Jesus breaking through chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. Jesus, I'm asking that we would see your glorious power and your radiance as we now look deeper into your word. Would you look at verses 9 through 11? Oh man, I love this. Wow, the time's going by really fast. Here we go. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. This is not John as Bible folklore. 
this is John in real life. Most likely around the year 95, and the emperor is Domitian, and he is actually very concerned and a bit edgy that people are not going to bow down to him. And so this is what he wanted. To compensate for his insecurity, he demands that he wants to be worshipped as both Lord and God. And so this is what it would look like. A person would go to the temple, they would take their pinch of incense, they would cast it on the altar, and they would pay homage to Caesar, and they would say, Caesar is Lord. They would say, Domitian is Lord and God. And John, not John in folklore, John in real life in this moment, John can't do it. John would not bow to anyone but one, to his beloved Lord. So, he's banished to the island of Patmos. It's in the Aegean Sea. It's off the west coast of modern-day Turkey. It has very rocky terrain. There are very few trees there. It is rugged. It is desolate. It is not a place for a Christian chill resort. It is a desolate, hard place. The idea would be that somebody would be sent away to this place to rot. How is God's kingdom near and being fulfilled with an outcast that is banished on an island? How is his kingdom being fulfilled? He is banished. Is John bitter? He is suffering. Is he cursing God? He's alone. Is he giving up? Listen to what is happening in John. I, John, your brother, in other words, connected to anyone in this room who is in Christ. And partner. He's saying, I want to be a team with you. Partner in the tribulation, that word means affliction, distress, trouble, suffering. And the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. The kingdom of God is at work in John as he is relationally connected to Christ through his word and then out of him as he is then going to relationally invest in those that he's going to write to. And just wanting so much to keep it real this morning, that includes you and I this morning. We are part of the relational fruit of John on Patmos as we receive the words that God gave to him while he was there. Students, how are you partnering in the gospel of Jesus? Students, where are you suffering because you are connected to God's word and to his testimony? Students, how is God helping you to persevere in the post-Christian reality that we now live in? And now, students, I have your second challenge of the morning. I dared you to talk to our older members about soaking in God's word and its impact. Here's your next one. Students, if you are hungry for any kind of power, this is it. Be an advocate 
to, unstop, to the unstoppable work and power and beauty of God to transform you right in the middle of oppressed living. If you want to tap into something powerful, students, I want to urge you as your friend and your brother, tap into the power of Jesus Christ. Everybody else that's here besides children and students, are you hungry this morning for any kind of power? Be an advocate to ruthlessly help the children of our church to encounter the unstoppable work and power and beauty of God to transform them and you right in the middle of this godless age that we live in. And so students and, and parents and, and adults of our church, I'm inviting you to talk to each other about the impact of the power of God in your life. This is not casual. Can you hear it? Hey, John, what's up? I'm your brother and partner in the tribulation, kingdom, and patient endurance that are in Jesus. What's up with you? The intensity is not unusual. The subject matter is. If you were to tune in literally this 24-hour period to any current sporting event or political show, and it hit me this morning, is it not fantastically amazing how many political shows and athletic competitions are on Sunday in our country? That is really wild. Like, it's the high political show day and the high sporting event day of our world, of our country. If you were to tune in to one of those events right now, literally, you will find people pulsing, screaming, yelling, and writhing around with passion about whatever their team, candidate, or agenda is about. Just seemingly not about Jesus' invitation to suffer patiently in God's kingdom. That seems to be the missing thing in all of the shows today. The intensity is not unusual. The subject matter is. If you are listening, you will hear literally everything from body wash to biscuits to Bama to Biden. But not about the blessed favor of suffering as God's kingdom is realized. If you're a partner in something, there's this heightened reality that it's not about you. The relational worth that John has already experienced with Jesus and is still experiencing with him as he's writing about him is impacting the sacrificial living of his life. Literally, it is happening to John on Patmos. He is literally experiencing the sacrificial living of connection with God's Word. And look what it says in verse 9. Was on the island of Patmos on account of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is actually the reason why I was drawn to this passage. My home church in Charlotte listed this verse on the bulletin every Sunday. I read these words literally for my entire life. 
for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I read it every Sunday. I actually thought it was a really cool church byline. I never really thoroughly knew what it meant until later. And it's these words right here. And John is declaring the reason why I am on this island is because of my connection to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Listen elsewhere. I'll go here real quickly to this thought in Mark chapter 3 in the parable of the sower. Listen for this theme. Mark chapter 4, 13 through 17. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown into rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word of God. Why is Jesus saying that the trouble and tribulation and the persecution comes? It arises because of God's word. I think that's a similar thought here. John is declaring that the reason why he is on the island of Patmos is because he is connected to the word of God. His connection to Jesus is having implications in his actual life. He is hearing from God in personal relationship with God. And he is hearing from other people about their displeasure with him being in relationship with God. So therefore, off with you. You're going to Patmos. I don't sense that John is bragging, but I do think that he's clear. He knows why he's there. And he, in this moment that we receive, is not complaining. He is engaged. He's not shutting down. Look at verse 10. What is he doing? I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. And he lists the churches. He is spending time with the Lord and he's talking to the Lord. That's what he's doing while he is in this particular moment on Patmos. And I notice a really beautiful progression here. The relational God is relating with one of his children who is then going to be relational with others because of it in the writing that he is going to do. Question for you this morning. Whom is God sending you in sacrificial relational living. Who is God sending you to in the sacrificial relational way that you're living your life? And what is God saying through John to these churches? What will they hear? If I gave you a card, would you be willing to stand? Go ahead and stand if I gave you a card. So I just want you, church family, to hear Here's what's coming in the rest of Revelation. If you're on the live stream, you may not be able to hear this well. We're going to start with Wolfman and we'll end with Leah. Just read as you want to. And I just want you to invite you, hear the theme of what John is going to say to these people. Wolfman.
Just keep going, folks. John. William. Angela. Jared. Don't give up. Don't give up. SNBC, don't give up. I, John, your brother, in the tribulation, in the kingdom, in the patient endurance was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I would like for us to close this morning by going to the last verses of this passage as a bookend litany. We began with the 112 O's. I want to invite us to hear verses 9 through 18 really by themselves as a closing litany of reminding us about the glorious power and radiance of Jesus. So here is your key. Here is your quick overview. And I'm going to do this really without walking through each verse. You'll hear these themes along the way. Consider this like uh, getting ready to unwrap a gift on Christmas morning. You haven't quite unwrapped the gift yet, but we're going to talk about it just for a few minutes. Here are things that you'll hear. John is not getting the past. He is getting a fresh vision of Jesus. You'll hear about seven gold lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. It's the seven churches and the Son of Man, and don't miss the beauty of this as we move towards reading it, it's the Son of Man not outside looking in, not above looking down, but in the middle of the churches. Right in the middle of us. He is the Ancient of Days. 
from Daniel 7 and hear God's word from Daniel 7. This is the reference there, verses 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. He is the Ancient of Days. You'll hear about a long robe with a sash tied around his chest. He is our high priest. Hebrews tells us that he ever lives to intercede for us before the Father. The sash being tied around the waist would mean there is work to be done. The sash tied around the chest says, I am at rest. The work has been completed and we will encounter the sash around the chest. Hair, white like wool, like snow. Similar again in Daniel's declaration of the Ancient of Days. This is not saying that he is old. This is saying that he is ageless. White as snow. Unmatched purity. Eyes like flame of fire, illuminates, penetrates, cleanses, and burns away impurity. It says, I see you. It's the beautiful ache of knowing that he sees you. It's the beautiful ache knowing that he sees you. Feet like burnished bronze glowing in a furnace there was a vision given to King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel of the kingdoms being a huge statue with feet that were a mixture of iron and clay and not being able to bear the weight of, the, of all the kingdoms. And this picture is a picture of burnished bronze, strong, steady, firm, already tested, strengthened by fire, holding the kingdom with certainty. A voice like many waters, drowning out all other voices, filling its hearers with peace and stillness, bringing a readiness to hear. In his right hand holding seven stars will hear, the church is in his hands securely. From his mouth a sharp double-edged sword, a mouth dagger, where he will cut through all the frivolous words in close contact, really close. Face shining like the sun in full strength. John is wanting to describe what he's seeing. He's laboring to describe it. So radiant, so brilliant, so warm, dazzling strength and beauty. His face is shining on us. That would be a description of the ultimate blessing from the Old Testament. And so as I close this morning in the reading of verses 9 through 18, I'm inviting you, church family, to consider the glorious power and the radiance of Jesus in your life and in the life of our church family. 
I close with these wonderings before we read the Word of God. I wonder what kinds of things Jesus is saying to Signal Mountain Bible Church. What are you and I witness to that God is currently doing in your life? What part of God's words are you currently taking to heart? Is there any hunger in you to be addicted to the glorious power and radiance of Jesus? If you sense that in any way, I want to urge you to explore it. Step out with someone, and I literally mean this. Step out with someone and say, Let's talk about the glorious power and radiance of Jesus. Risk seeming like a fool for the king who is and will forever be breaking through to save us and transform us. Would you hear this beautiful declaration of the glorious power and beauty of Jesus? Hear God's word, verses 9 through 18. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire, his feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Thanks be to God, King Jesus. Would you stand if you are able and receive these words of benediction? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in His peace. Happy New Year.